Hi there, welcome to the Simon Tumier podcast. We've got a great guest today, the legend that is John Carmichael. But firstly, if you enjoy these podcasts, please consider supporting my patron at patreon.com forward slash Simon Tumier. So John, when did you start playing? Well, I was a bit older than starting the accordion. I was about 16. I'd been to the good old piano lessons before that and and for about four years or more. And that kind of fizzled out. Um, and looking back, I obviously wasn't interested in the kind of, like so many people, interested in the kind of music I was getting. Sonatinas by Clemente. Oh, get that. You know, <laughs> and my mother was quite disappointed because she played the piano. But then a, I had a pal at school who was doing the same idea with accordion. He got fed up with that too because he was getting, you know, I don't know what he was getting, some kind of classical things. So he lent me his accordion, and then that that was the start of it. You know, I kind of footed about then. So I mean, your family. So you came from a, a musical family then. Well, yeah, yeah. My mother's family were very musical. Yeah, yeah. They came from Bucky in Bamshire, and she played the piano and sang, and she was, you know, pretty good at it. Although I say it, you know. And her brothers all played and sang, the accordion, every other thing, you know. Uh, and, your dad was, and your dad's from, <laughs> did you say, I read your dad was from Tyree? Uh, well, he's, my grandfather's from Tyree, but my dad was, yeah, he was born there, but he was brought up in Tarbert Loch Fine. All right. And did he have any Gaelic? Yes. Uh, well, he used to he used to tell me he used to get the belt. Well, many of them did. Belt at school for speaking Gaelic and not speaking English. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Typical. <laughs> so, so um, you, I was interested. I mean, you've, we've got so much to talk about today. But uh, just uh, when I was looking through your um, Scottish History Music Hall of Fame biography, it jumped out to me that you won the All Scotland Accordion Championships in 1964. And I'm just quite interested in, in that time because it was a different time in terms of the accordion. There was a lot of people playing, wasn't there? Oh, loads of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think, I can't remember that particular year, but around about that time, there would be something like 40-odd at least in competitors in, you know. So I must have been very lucky. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and last year, was it, well, last year, lockdown, who knows where, what time it is, what day it is, um, you uh, started recording these daily videos on Facebook. That's right. That's Why? right. Just, <laughs> well, I had nothing else. Well, I, I mean, the, as you know, I'm involved with the Glasgow Fiddle Workshop, and that that was staggering along as well, you know. But there was nothing else going on, and uh, you know, and I thought I'm not even going to be bothered playing, you know. Now I'd gone through this trauma once before when I well, you'll see there, but when I was an engineer at sea, and for three or four years at sea, and I never played at all. So after I started to play again, I couldn't play. And uh, and that's not unusual as anyone that's stopped for a while. So I thought, I'm not wanting that now because they'll be shutting the lid and I won't have used the box. So anyway, I started kind of putting about. And then Gary Ennis, to be fair, said to me, why don't you go on Facebook and do a wee tune? Well, it was pretty nerve-wracking, as you know, to start with. You know, you're like, camera's on or whatever. And it's you know, still not much better. But anyway, uh, once I got started on the thing, I thought, I'm quite enjoying this. And then plus the fact... It made me go and look out tunes or think about tunes. So I don't know what we're at now, 200 and nearly 300, I think. Something. Oh, definitely. And everyone should check it out. If you go to Facebook and look up Carmichael's Cayley, 
Uh, you can find all of John's uh, daily video. There's lots of We're going to watch one now just from a couple of days ago, actually. This is, you tell a story first, which we've just gone straight to the music. Um, but I think this is a Pride of Erin, isn't it? Uh, I think so. I think it was just, uh, some days it's just whatever comes on. You think, ah, I'm... I haven't played that before, or it's so long ago I can't remember. <laughs> well, let's have a listen to it. Anyway, here we go. So, John, I was reading that, um, I, I don't know if it was the 60s, that you moved to Australia for four years and you came back and really that is when your musical career kicked off. Would that be correct? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I won that championship thing before we went and I was very keen on playing, you know, but as I say, being in Australia, uh, there was music going on, but I didn't get involved and it wasn't until I came back, yes. And would it be so? When would you have first met Callum Kennedy, the Gaelic singer? Um, the same sort of thing. I I'd met him before I went away, but don't know about Just when I came back, I'd only been back about six months, and uh, <clears throat> and then I got a call. But before I went away, to digress slightly, I'd played with Andrew Rankin, who was a well-known band at the time, and we kept in touch while I was away. So whilst I was away, Andrew got in got in tour with Callum and Charlie Cowie that used to play the fiddle with me, they both started, they teamed up with Callum and they were doing stuff. So just shortly before I came back, uh, Callum got his first, to my knowledge, his first day uh, television series with Grampian. And it was going to be called Round at Callum's. You might have seen the record somewhere. They made a record about it. Right. But anyway, Andrew was to be in the band backing and doing all the bit. But he just with a month before it, he fell out with him which is not unusual for, <laughs> and as you know, not particularly Callum, but in the music game. There was a fallout, I presume, could have been something to do with finances, but I really don't know. So, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, Andrew, I mean, poor Andrew's passed away, and, and he's good lady, doesn't he mind what you say about him, because he was a real character, you know, way older than, than anything. And we'll not run away with too much time. Anyway, I kept pally with him. So he phones me up. I was only home maybe. Well, I'd done a wee bit of work. I'm home about six months. Phones me up. How you doing? What's going on? Da, 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 da. He says, listen, I need you to help me out. I said, what is it? He said, I'm booked to do a television series that starts in a fortnight in Edinburgh. He says, with Callum Kennedy. I said, oh, I remember you were uh, not doing it. He says, I feel a broken leg coming on. See? So, <laughs> so we can't even be sued for this anyway. So he broken leg coming on, and he said, but you're the person to do this, because I was the only other one at that point that had an Cordovox, the electronic accordion with fancy noises in it, you know. So I said, oh, I've never been involved in anything like that. You know, well, you can imagine that, like, <laughs> done a few radio things, but no television, oh, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is about 1970 or something. So, uh, right, oh, right, oh. Um, he says, I've got the music for the first show. I said, right, well, if you send me the music and let me look at that before I say aye or no. So the music came through 
And to be honest, it didn't look too bad. Uh, anyway, cut a long story short. He says, uh, right, you doing it? I said, I okay, I'll do it. Right, he said, my wife will phone Callum from my hospital bed and uh, <laughs> the gig's yours. See, if, if, if he takes you on. See, so long and short as next thing, call Callum. Is that a drunken maker? Uh-huh. I believe you you play the accordion a bit. See, so I go, well, well, yes, that's true. I've had a call from Andrew Rankin. I'm, I'm in the middle of a... Te- oh, and he was mad, you know. Television series about to start, and he, he's, he's ill. He's in the hospital, the man, and he can't, he can't, you know, and I was... Anyway, I had to go over to Callum's house, who lived in Glasgow at that point, and audition in his kitchen with him, his wife, and his five girls. <laughs> And I spent the whole afternoon, a wonderful afternoon there. I went in, as long as you could play a few Gaelic songs, well, the ones that he sang, you were in. Right, we did that. And, of course, it was, uh, I had to get a taxi home. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I got the gig, and uh, that was the start of Callum. Anyway, and you worked with long. him for a good few years, didn't you? Well, on and off for a long time, yeah. Because inevitably, with, with any of the artists, as you will know of that, Kind of, kind of caliber, if you like. They ran for a while, being quite busy. Then there was nothing to do, you know. And I wasn't even, I wasn't full time in music at that point. I was endeavouring to be a school teacher. So, uh, <laughs> and then it got to the stage, you know, where as I said, no work, you know, matter, you do somebody else, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know. But then once I went into music full time, you had to kind of, as you well know, to you had to try and be more choosy who you went with when and all that nonsense. But oh, I for years on and off with Callum, I. Well, let's watch a video of Callum singing, and he's actually introduced by the the Tartan lads. No, yeah, the Tartan no, lads. No, Jack, the Alexander Jack. brothers. <laughs> Jack, yeah. Check the script. <laughs> but we'll have a wee chat about them afterwards. Uh, but, uh, it's a great to see these guys chatting. It's brilliant to hear Callum singing. We first met up with Callum uh, way back in 1960 and the Cummings Hotel in Inverness. And the first thing that struck me about Callum was just how youthful looking he was. Because I'd only heard him in, on records, the road in the miles to Dundee, and I always thought that he had a kind of, like an old man, sounded like an old man singing it, beautiful as it was. But uh, that shock of curly hair and... Magic, yeah. Oh, he was just uh, superb and... And what a singer. Yeah. What a singer. I mean, I called Callum in a wild Highland voice, which lent itself to, to the Gaelic. And I don't think I've ever heard anyone sing a Gaelic song like Callum Kennedy. Alexander Brothers. Yeah, well, a quickie before you go into them, that was Anil Avani was singing The White Swan and uh, fantastic. That's from, that was taken from, uh, not I've seen a bit, uh, a Cher Beha, the BBC Gaelic series years ago. Wonderful. But anyway, Tom and Jack, yes, I toured uh, Australia, New Zealand and did a lot of work with them. 
and uh, they were great fun to work with. They fought like cat and dog together, you know. Um, but I mean, they were very, very polite with everyone else. But Tom used to shout at Jack all the time because even just watching the two, you could tell that Jack was a Jack the Lad and Tom was a real serious kind of musician, you know, music, some techniques, all that. You know, they used to be shouting, right, Jack, Jack, where are you? Get in here, be rehearsing. Oh, right. And he's, you know, entertaining at the bar or whatever, you know. <laughs> one quick story about that. One of the times, I think I did three Australia tours with them, but anyway, one of them, I think it was the second one. When you arrive in this big tour, I mean, it was like 11 weeks. You arrive in Perth, Western Australia, and there's two days rehearsal, right? So all the acts are there and the band goes through whatever. And uh, I remember, uh, uh, anyway, Tom was the one who used to dig out the music. And this was before they were completely self-contained, you know, with their middies and everything. They used to use the band for a bit of the thing. So Tom would appear with the music. Somebody shout, Alexander Brothers Band Call, as you'll know only too well. So Tom would come up with the music, give it all out, and I'd shout, Jack, come on, we have to try the tunes. So Jack comes over and he's all kind of like, how's it going, lads? Great, I'm looking for this, it'll be great, la, 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 la. And he, he would say, uh, so what are we opening with, Tom? What's the opening one? Now, we're going back now into the early 70s. Tom would say, I thought we'd start with marching through the heather. And Jack would go, oh, I know that rubbish again. I'm sick of that. I'm going, I know about that. To which Tom lifted all the music, just scattered it like, like confetti. He says, well, you're way up to your room and you get the music for the band. I'll be at the bar if you want me. He disappeared. That was... <laughs> Meanwhile, Jack's gathered up the music saying, no, that'll be fine. That'll be fine, Tom. That'll be fine. <laughs> I actually uh, remember when remember when we filmed uh, Northern Lights, I think, in Aberdeen. Yes. And uh, with all these sort of funny sta- coloured stages, Celtic uh-huh. stages kind of thing, and sitting in the bar with you and Jack that night, and you were just chat- making me laugh with all your millions of stories. It was a night that will live long in my memory. <laughs> <laughs> Well, one very, very quick one. I, I think it was the last, the last tour we did, uh, you know, in uh, over in Australia. And there was only, well, it was Tom and Jack and a, a chap, Ronnie Dale, you might not have heard of him. He was a comedian and well-known, played a bagpipe, very, very good act, theatre act. Uh, Tom and Jack, Ronnie Dale and myself, only the four of us flew out to Australia. You see, so anyway, they, they had a manager, Tom and Jack, this manager, Ross Bowie, who was very well-known at the time. And, of course, they were constantly on his case going, listen, we're going out to these big, long flights. Those days it was very long, you know, 26 hours or something. Uh, we should be getting upgraded, you know. I mean, we're supposed to be, this is the boys, like, you know, we're some kind of stars and we're in the cattle class with all the punters, you know. We should be getting upgraded. So uh, they kept at them, kept at them, and uh, nothing happened, you see. But anyway, as we were going, as we went into the airport, Bowie gets a hold of me at the end. He goes, come here a minute, come here. He says, listen, you take charge of the tickets in London because they were renowned for being a bit scatty, you know. Maybe, oh, what have you left here? Oh, my box. Oh, God, I mean, you know, it's all that going on. So, uh, you you get the tickets and whatever you do, right, as a wangle been happened here, he says, don't tell them anything till you get right to the check-in desk, right? So, we put the stuff in. So, call comes up. Mr. Carmichael to the desk. I said, oh, must be something wrong with my ticket. And we went to the desk. And the boy goes, right, this was the last minute. He says, give me your boarding passes. So I get them. And he changes them over, hands me four boarding passes, new ones, first class. 
right, from London to Perth in Western Australia. And the guy says, there's a message here, do not tell them till you enter the aircraft. <laughs> so that was us. I never told them when they came back. Is everyone all right, John? Everyone okay down there? And they didn't care anyway. You know what I mean? They were that kind of... So I said, I, oh, I think everyone's fine. And then I can imagine we went on board. I've got the blue passes. They were blue. I remember it was pretty sure it was blue. And the wee man's going, see, sir. Well, we were first on. That's what... Well, this way. And they're like, ah. Well, you never told us. I said, I've been sworn to secrecy. But... <laughs> What a trip, then. There you go. Well, let's watch them in action. And as sure as night and day, we have a grand together. They call it hot many, hot many, hot many. Come on and join us. We're all together bringing in a brand new year. Hot many, hot many. Come on and join us. Oh, we're having such a happy hot many. Greetings. He fought his way through. Greetings, Chinas! Welcome, welcome, welcome to a special live Hogmanay show, which is coming to you tonight from Glasgow. To our friends south of the border, we say welcome to civilization. We've got a marvelous show tonight. I believe you and me here in Glasgow, tonight's program is live. The audience is canned, but the program is live. They are what we call a Shell and BP audience. They're well oiled. Are you, are you all in a good mood here this evening? Of course, they're all happy because they're in for free. <laughs> Nobody's told them it cost them £10 to get out again. Actually, I've got some famous faces in the audience. Across here, we've got Dolly Parton. Oh, sorry, it's two bold men. <laughs> right, we have got a programme and a half for you this evening. You know this place today, it's been like a madhouse. That's so funny, isn't it? So, John, who was the host there? I just left it in because I just thought he was so funny. Oh, he was, he was great. It was Jack McLaughlin. They used to call him the Laird of Cadence. He had a, a program, a radio program on Radio Clyde. And, and he's the first one to invent that kind of slagging kind of thing, you know. And now we're going to introduce so-and-so, you know, but you've never seen a bother head there are. You know how I many went for the jugular at times. But I was really good... Uh, it was a thing of its day, you know. Um, it was very popular. And then they transferred it onto telly. Um, and you can see, he was a, and initially he was a geography teacher. Would you believe that? Is that right? Aye. And you were telling me before, uh, I mean, because you were the, you were, were you the MD for that show? No, well, no, it was my band. Uh, well, I was the MD for the band, but they had a, a, a show MD, uh, Ian Gourley, yes. And you were telling me before we started about the was it the year before when they had Hercules the Bear on? That's right, aye. Uh, which was a real coup. I mean, it was a well thought of show. Um, and anyway, Hercules was to be the first foot, you know. Well, 
of course, it was all a big lead up, and then it was a big, you know, new year, etc., etc. And then Jack there would do the bit about welcome our first foot, and of course, it was this massive roar and the band playing and everything. And this Andy Robbins was the trainer or owner of it. He was a big wrestler fellow, and he, he was leading the bear in. Now the bear was about seven foot high. He's leading it in on a chain, you know. And the thing was getting so excited, I think, with the noise when it got. When they got to the microphone, they kind of did a dump there, you know, kind of small pyramid. And they, what I did was a shriek and a ball and a shout in the studio. And of course, the camera, it was a Cliff Martin was the director, and it was really good. He just got the camera right on it, the beer and the dumping, you know. And then a wee woman who didn't know this was all going on, she, the cleaner, she comes running out to shuffle it into a, into a pocket, you know. She, she was the star of the show. She waved at the camera. I mean. <laughs> It's live television, as you know. But they were great shows as well. That I mean, the atmosphere. I mean, I mean, I enjoy uh, watching all the folk bands on the Hogmanay shows nowadays. But the oh, there's great atmosphere going on on that because that was STV, that STV that's show right. there. That's right. Well, I mean, it was all the guys that ran it. You know, like the producers and all that. They were all theatrical people. You know, they were used to doing live shows and theatres and things. So, I mean, they went mad if, if they couldn't you know, stop things, if they couldn't create the atmosphere like that, you know. So it was really well put together. Oh, it was great fun to be part of, you know. Yeah, they used definitely. to get 400 in that studio, 400. Is that right? Amazing. John, when did you meet Jimmy Shand? Um, I, well, I probably, uh, let me just think, oh, early 60s probably. And uh, by the time I kind of, was getting to know him, if you like. Um, he'd given up his band, and I had a, a kind of band like that backing a couple of concerts, and he came on to do a spot. And, of course, being, you know, legendary Jimmy and everything, we kept right out of the way, you know, so as not to, you know, upset the apple cat. Just whatever you want, Jimmy, we'll do we did. So that was the only dealings I had with Jimmy. And then right out of the blue, I gets this phone call one day. Um, Hello, is that you, John? It's Jimmy Shant here. And I thought, oh, I wonder what that's about. He says, hey, are you still playing away? No, but this time I was doing music full time, so <laughs> I didn't have a proper job, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> as they say. Anyway, he says, hey, I just wondered if you'd like to do a couple of wee jobbies with me, you see. And I said, oh, that would be fine. Do you, do you have a, a date of that, Jimmy, for any kind of dates? You know, and I was quite astounded. I thought, why is he phoning me, you see? Um, uh, I, it'll be uh, the month of March and maybe two weeks into April. I said, I said well, that's six weeks, you know. I said, I, what dates in? No, no, the whole thing, son, you see, because it's Australia and New Zealand. <laughs> there you go. I said, hey, you know, let me get my diary, Jimmy. Let me get my diary. <laughs> diary. And I said, yeah, I think I'll be fine. And, and I mean, it was just, he was so contained with everything. He just said, I, I felt like saying, and then I was going to say to him, why did you phone me? Because, I mean, there must have been loads of people that I'd played with him, including Jim Johnson and all these guys, mm -hmm. you know. But um, and he, and but before I had a chance to ask him, he was so in the ball, you know, he just says, you'll be wondering why I'm asking you, son. You see, I said, well, it did cross my mind. He says, well, we've done a couple of things and I think you and I, we got on fine. We got on fine. In other words, I didn't get in the way. And upset <laughs> it. I'm sure that was it. So, anyway... I said, well, that's fine. Hey, okay, I'll mark that down. He says, I'll, you, and, and to be fair, he says, you leave the fees to me, son. I'll make sure that I'm sorted properly. And then he said, hey, all we need to do is, in the next, sometime in the next month, you take a wee run through airbox to Ochtermachti, and we'll talk about the programme, and that'll be fine. 
And and that was it, honestly, Simon. In the car, Cordian through to his house, he shouted to his wife, and put the kettle on for John Ken. <laughs> and he'd go, he'd written a bit of paper. <laughs> this is what I'd, that I'd play, son. And I can remember the, the first tune he was going to play was Dr. Ross's 50th Welcome to the Argyleshire Gathering, which I'm sure you know of. You know, and then at some other march. And then he just, he read them all out. That's it. Do we need any music, son? I said, well, keep reading it. And <laughs> He said, well, no, really, Jimmy. Right, that'll do fine, son. Right, that's us. We're okay. We played through a few of the tunes. Oh, I, I just kept out the road. Oh, I, they said to me, I think he was doing waltzes, you know, like Loch Lomond and well-known. He always did, you know, what what I do now, really, punters' tunes. Folk they want to sing them, want to hear them. You know, we're not far too old to be doing anything too new. Anyway, uh, when he's doing that, of course, I was keeping quiet and everything, but I'd be playing the bass with some maybe more modern, you know, chords and things and but not 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 like the way they're doing now, which is impossible for Father Me, but reasonably up and we go, I'll oh, fit fine son, but uh, never mind any of the acrobatics on the bass, you know, just keep it simple. Just uh, you know, C G and F and that that'll be fine. Aye. And it was, you know, they had to, to be fair, we had to put together music for the backing band that was out there in Australia, but that was him, dead easy. Uh, and was uh, he, um, what was he like as a person? Very nice man. He comes over, I mean, he looked quite strict and severe, you know, with a wee moustache and, and I don't know, but anything, but he loved the jokes. If you told him a joke, he, he just, he would say, you know, if he's sitting quiet, uh, give, name any jokes, John. Give us another one of these jokes. Tell us a wee story about somebody. He just loved that. And and uh, But I'll say, I mean, uh, well, as you know, you asked me to do the wee speech for him uh, way back in the trad days when he got his, his reward. Um, I mean, having said all that about him, he, he didn't get to where he was without being really fixed about what he did and how he did it. And, you know, he knew what was a winner for him. And nothing varied from that. You, anybody, no matter who they were that were doing it, go, aye, any day that, son. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably a good good segue into the clip that we're going to watch. I mean, we were having a quick look at it before with, with Bill McHugh. Oh, right. I you remembered I, this. I, I do. Oh, exactly. That's, that describes him. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's have a look at this. It's a, great, um, it's a great clip, and it's a really nice clip, actually. And one of the first programmes I ever took part in. I just finished my studies at the Royal Academy in London and thought I was no small drink. And came home today, my first broadcast with Jimmy and his band, and my opening number was Westering Home. And I signalled that I was ready to come on and the fella said, blah, 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 blah. Ladies and gentlemen, Bill McHugh. So I come here and onto the floor and sung, Westering Home and the song and the... And I suddenly realised the band weren't with me. And Jimmy, Jimmy was playing... Hiya da da, hiya da da, is that right? <laughs> well, will you play it at your speed again and I'll sing it. Will the boys busk it? Westling Hope, what's the key? G. The key of G for Westling Hope, a wee verse and chorus for old time's sake. You ready? Hiya da da, is it? Speak over it 
Bill McHugh has been listening to the Shand albums to get the ending of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who, um, who who's the fiddler in that band? Hey, that that's Ian Powery, the famous famous. Is that Ian, Ian Powery? My goodness. Aye. And in fact, he he joined us for that first trip. He was living in Australia then. And just subject to finish the last wee bit about Shan being in charge, he want Ian insisted in the show because he's a big star Ian too. You see, and uh, he spent all these years playing with Andy Stewart. Anyway, Ian said, Jimmy, it would be lovely if you and I went on and did something together in the second half, apart from Jimmy says, hi, bro, son, bro. So one of the nights, remember about the third night in, Jimmy was doing the waltzes like that, really slow and, you know, yang, yang, ding, 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 ding. Now, Ian had, uh, let's just be fair, had a small refreshment before he came on to do it. <laughs> See, and of course, he, he was kind of feeling a bit high. So Jimmy says, eh, uh, what are we doing, son? You see, this is him on the mic in front of the show. And uh, Ian says, I think we'll do these Skinner waltzes that you play so well, Jimmy. And he turns to the audience and says, and if you want a wee dance here, just get up in the aisle and just, oh, it'll be wonderful. See, when they come off, Jimmy called him at the thing. I was there. He called him at the thing. Ian, son, come here. Aye. Then he say that when we're playing the tunes, it spiles the tune when they get up like that. <laughs> Never happened again. <laughs> so that that you know that's a point to, to us all to know why and how he got with <laughs> So right, we've got time for one more video here because this is great. Actually, we could go forever, but I have a Zoom meeting at three. So, <laughs> <laughs> so and I just wanted to have a quick chat about Jim Johnston, who you did a lot of playing with. I mean, Jim Johnston is a, a musician that. Really, people refer to a lot as a fabulous musician. What tell us about him? Yeah, well, he um, uh, he was very organized. I mean, he was a good player, but he was very organized too, and and he was good at you know he he set up like how to accompany the show, and everything was professional. I suppose that's what you would say. It was nothing by chance, and I mean, I always blame him. For spoiling a very good engineering career that I had, he ruined my engineering career because I only came back to the UK for a holiday. Met him in Edinburgh, ended up in his band, and never went back to Australia. So I'll never forgive him for that. You know. What did your wife right. say when you when you told her that you weren't coming back? 
Uh, what did my wife? She was here at the time. You oh, see, right. she, she came home for a holiday to have the second child. You see, and I, we were all doing the big. I was at sea and you know v- doing very well financially and all that nonsense, missing the music. I mean, see, and then I took Kamadi in Sydney one day. I had about two months leave. I thought, ah, I'll fly to the UK. And I mean, that was unheard of in those days. It was, you know, everything was by sea. I mean, you could go by sea. Let me think. A single trip to Australia by sea was less than two hundred pounds. It was one hundred and sixty pounds, which was still quite a lot of money, but nothing compared to today. You know. Um, anyway, that met Jim and, and I knew him from before that, before I went away, but I'd never played with him. And he said, "Oh, you're the very one." He says, "I'm desperate for a second accordion player." Well, I said, "I haven't played for years." Oh, you would soon get in the way of it. Soon get in the way of it. I said, "Well, you know, oh, I don't think about that." Anyway, he talked me into it, and that was that. But oh. You would, so professional, Jim, about everything. You know, this is going to be right. That'll... And he kept, you know, uh, he was very, very experienced at doing shows and not too many bands were. Um, and, I mean, he could do every part, you know, of the thing. And he always made sure the music was right, blah, 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 blah. And, and in his style of playing, many, many people copied it. Um, you know, as I say, uh, and the record, we did a record about that time called Measure of Scotch. And that became a kind of, you know, stalwart that many people tried to copy or be guided by. Everything was just right. But it was one of these records that was made after we'd all played together for, I don't know, two years. You know, you know, and you know yourself, if you're playing that length of time, there's a new thing happens. It's not just going and have a go time. You know, everybody knows yeah. exactly what else is doing. So, Well, let's have a listen it. to Jim doing his thing with the band... Uh... With Marie Fielding and uh, oh man, too many names on the base. Oh, Billy Crabe. Oh, Billy, Billy Crabe. Crabe. Nice to see his face as well when I was watching this video. Uh, yeah, let's have a listen. Stuff. Great playing there. Oh yeah, great. So, uh, well, thank you very much, John, for coming on today. Someone's asking. David Crawford's asking if you know his uncles, the late John and Jim Crawford from Ladybank. Very well. I, uh, John Crawford died fairly recently. There, he was ninety-seven or something. Oh, we were great pals. And I remember the uncle Jim. He was a great player. He played the the three-row Shan Marino thing, smashing. Oh. Um, oh yeah, from Ladybank, great. Did all the tunings and everything, John. Smashing, great, oh, great. Mate, right, um, I'm away, John. Um, and thanks very much. And uh, I'll see you the next time. Yeah, thank you very much for asking me. Any time at all, it was a pleasure. Really enjoyed it.